Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 2 with me this morning, and we're going to read uh, quite a bit of scripture. I don't want to be laborious, but... um, We're going to read probably about 15 or so verses. I hope that's okay. We won't do a whole lot of scripture reading after that. But in order to build my point, um, I want to read quite a bit. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, we'll start. And then we're going to jump over to Genesis 3, verse 1. And then we'll conclude at the end of Genesis 3, in verse 23 and 24. So Genesis 2, verse 15 before I dive into the word, as you're there, I just want to express a couple of things. Um, I've just been thinking about the vision of the church lately. And, um, you know, when we're worshiping, even during service, you know, it's one of my heart's desires that we really become that many-membered body that God is looking for. And so I, I, I want you to feel confident in your gifting and know that this is a safe place to exercise your gifting. When we step in here on a Sunday morning... I want the prophetic to be released. I want to see healing signs and wonders, even among us few. Amen. So I want you to feel confident that you can engage with us because what would the, the Bible calls the, um, the church, the body of Christ. And I don't want this to be a one man show, meaning what would a body look like with just the head or what would a body look like with just the hands? So you guys play your own part as people who are prophetic. I know there's people who are prophetic in here. There's people who are gifted and talented at hospitality. There's people who are gifted in in the area of evangelism or what have you. And my heart's desire is to see a corporate body in full operation. I'm simply just the mouth. Wouldn't that look funny? Just to have a mouth. So I challenge you all and I beckon you all to step into your area of giftings particularly on Sunday mornings and throughout the week and walk in the fullness of, of what God has called you to and beckons you to. Amen? As we add to the body, that's that, that's that reaching forward part. One of my desires, of course, the slogan of the whole church is reaching up, meaning we want a church that is really intimate with the Father, right? Intimate with Christ, having a relationship with him. It starts there. The second thing is to reach forward. It's posted on the door. That means we want each and every person to come to a place where they enter their destiny, enter their calling. It's not about my calling. I'm doing this for God and for you all to see to it that you guys enter into all that God has for you. Amen. And then there's that reaching out part, right? Once we get that intimate relationship with God, once we discover our destiny and our purpose, it is our duty to reach out into the communities that are surrounding this region and reach out to them and help them to do the same. Amen. That being said, um, we're going to get to that reaching out part. Amen. So one of the things that I believe that the church, uh, we need to grow in and we could do better at is evangelizing and reaching out. I thought to myself, if each one of us brought one person to church, invited one person at church on a Sunday morning, this church would grow and double, double in size overnight. Literally, it would double overnight. So I'm going to commit in the next several weeks to do my best to bring someone to church. I want you to look at somebody next to you and say, bring someone to church. If no one's to your left or to your right, I want you to look behind you and say, bring someone to church. 
So in other words, if we, you know, on a good morning, we might have 40 or 50 people. I want you to imagine that if you brought a friend, a family member, a coworker to church on Sunday morning, we would literally grow double overnight. Amen. And we're doing this number one for God and to grow people, but we're doing this ultimately for people. So look at somebody again and say, bring a friend. Amen. Will you help me do that? Amen. All right, let's move on. I'm going to jump into Genesis and we're going to have some fun. Um, not going to be an extremely long message today. Um, and if you're concerned, if you're, if you're a woman um, or if you're you know, not necessarily a dad, I, I hope that this message, um, which I believe it is, is universal enough to reach you right where you're at and impact you to some degree. Genesis 2 for the fifth time, verse 15 through 17. And it says this. I want you to read it with me, and it will be up on the screen if you don't have your old-fashioned Bible like me or an iPad. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. Speaks of the man's position. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Let's jump over to Genesis 3, verse 1. I want you to read along with me. Genesis 3, verse 1. It says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat freely of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. She's talking about spiritually. Everybody say, die spiritually. There would be a disconnection spiritually between humanity and the Godhead. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She gave to her husband with her. Everybody say Adam was with her. Gave to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you, Adam? And so Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I've commanded you that you should not eat? The man said, that woman you gave to be with me. That is the first time you'll ever see throughout all creation, man begin to play the blame game with his wife. Amen. He said, that woman that you gave to me, gave me to be with, she gave me the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, that serpent deceived me and I ate. And I'm going to conclude at Genesis 3 and we'll move on. Genesis 3, 23, verse 24, 23 to 24. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out because of his disobedience and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Everybody say, wow, that was a lot of reading. Is everybody with me? (laughs) She actually said it. 
When I think about the fall of humanity, it's hard to dismiss what happened in the Garden of Eden. People often joke about the beginning of creation, and I actually wrote a joke late last night. I hope it's funny, and if it's not funny, I want you to laugh with me to humor me. When I think about this fall, here's the joke I came up with. The reason men give their wives such a hard time listening is because they see where, it, where listening ended them up. There's another joke I wrote down a few more. The reason men give their, <laughs> listen to this, I missed that. Here's a question. Why did God create man before woman? Because God didn't want advice. <laughs> I got a couple more for you. The woman says, where would you men be without us women? Adam's answer would be in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Don't worry, men, you're about to have your turn. All right, last one. Is this funny? Adam and Eve must have had a great marriage. Adam couldn't talk about his mother's cooking. And Eve couldn't mention all the men she could have married. <laughs> I want to minister from a subject this morning called the father fracture. Everybody say the father fracture. And you're probably wondering right about now how all of Genesis chapter two and three have anything to do with a father fracture. I was thinking about this the past couple of days. Actually, I was putting my sermon together this morning. Everything was really, really last minute, but God has been dropping some things in my heart um, to a huge degree, and I, I hope it blesses both the person who has had an amazing father, which to a huge degree, as I look throughout America, that's usually not the case. Um, this is a bit of a difficult message for me to preach, um, especially on Father's Day, because I personally do not know what it's like to have a father, even one who is present or even emotionally absent. Um, I don't know what it's like to throw a ball with a dad or what it's like to hear that voice, good job, son. But I do know what it's like to be a good father. So I want to minister to that person who has had a great dad, but also that person who suffers from the fracture of the father wound. I heard it said like this, there's a, there's a hole or a crack in every man and woman's soul, and it's in the size or shape of a father. All of us have father wounds. All of us have had experiences with our fathers in our lives. Am I the only one in this place? It doesn't matter whether they were good or bad. At some degree, we have been fractured. And the reason for that fracture is because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. That fracture started when God put the man out, out of his disobedience. He put man out of the garden and the fracture began to ensue. And now you see the repercussions and what America deals with. And it's greatly affected due to the lack of fatherhood in the nations of the world. Amen. And there are four different things that I have deemed a problem in America due to the lack of the father thereof. Everybody say it's a problem. It's a problem. Because when the man gets put outside of his garden, meaning the family unit, problems ensue. And one of the main things that a father should be in a household, but you see a, a huge lack thereof or a huge gap or 
deficit is you, when the father is gone, there is no protection in the home. Now, I love the Lord. I love him. What I'm about to say, I want you to know, I love Jesus with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, as the scripture has said. Although I cover my family spiritually, I'm also called to cover and protect my family physically. Now, I believe that the Lord protects his family, our family, right? The family, meaning the church as a whole. And I believe that God protects our personal families. But we're too called as men, where are the men at? We're called to protect our families. Sometimes we'll hear a noise in the middle of the night. And as a matter of fact, the other night, um, we had our alarm go off. Just the back door was open. And I frantically jump out of bed. And I went to go, I was about to go run and go get my 45 caliber and run to the door. It's not that God doesn't exist or isn't going to protect my family. But just in case the Holy Spirit is slow and going on showing up, the Smith and Wesson will. Because we, as the body of Christ, we as men in our house, we are called to protect the family. We are called to be physical protectors of our family. It's not that I don't think God doesn't exist, but let's not forget that we live in an evil, wicked, vile world where the slithering snake is looking at any opportunity to hurt our kids, to hurt our wives, to hurt our spouses or our family. So one of the main roles of a man is to protect, everybody say protect, his family. And when there's an absentee of that father figure in the home, it lifts the head of protection in the home. I want you to read in Genesis Chapter three, verse one, it says this. I want you to put it up on the screen if you can, Joel. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I thought to myself, where in the world was Adam when Eve was having a conversation with the devil? Have you ever thought that to yourself? Where was Adam? He had moved positionally. And when the man moves positionally because she's an emotional being and wanting to engage in conversation, she stooped to the level where she would talk to a serpent because there was no man to stand guard in his house, in his abode, to offer that protection. Amen? That speaks of spiritually. Somebody say spiritually. And when the man leaves his post as the protector, protect, protector, rewind, as the protector of the family, it opens the door to the enemy. Did you know that 71% of all high school dropouts came from fatherless homes? There was no father to offer that type of protection and accountability to say, get your work done, boy. Get your work done, young lady. The father offers protection in the home and an accountability that the mom cannot offer. My hats are off to the single moms. If it were not for you, I don't know where I would be. My mother raised me and my siblings, my three other siblings, God bless her. We were raised without a dad, a mom who worked three jobs. Praise God for single moms. Can we give a hand clap for single moms in the house? 
We wouldn't know what to do without you, but, but there, there, there's a certain amount of protection that is offered when the man is there. But when the man is there, it gives room for the enemy to destroy the house. And that's why 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. And it doesn't stop there. Also, 71% of all teenage pregnancies are caused due to fatherless homes because there is no father there to say, where are you going, honey? I need you to be home at eight o'clock, honey. So we, we are raising teenagers who are raising babies. We're raising babies who are raising babies, not due to just immorality in the world, but this is due to fatherlessness. It's due to the father fracture in America and around the world. Our nation is somewhat in a crisis because of fatherlessness. 85% of children with behavioral issues, anger problems, 85% come from fatherless homes. People where we are struggling and we are in a state of emergency due to fatherlessness in America. 90%, 90% of homeless and all runaway children come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 85%, 85% of youths have fatherless homes. More than 20 million children living in homes without physical, uh, a physical presence of the father. Now here's what gets me. There's 20 million, that percentage, that last percentage I may have read may have, there might be a, a uh, error here, but 20 million children living in homes without the physical presence of a father. But check this out. There's millions more who live with the presence of a father, but they're absent emotionally. And what happened to Eve is that she was in the garden with a man. She was sleeping with her husband. <clears throat> I'm not talking about snoring. She was in the garden with him. She lived with him. She was in proximity to him, but he was unavailable emotionally. And as I said before, this is what caused Eve to even give ear to that slithering snake we call the devil. It's because you can be physically in a home, dads, but be absent emotionally. My wife got on me over the weekend about me being on my phone. And I couldn't help but think about when she made the comment, can you put the phone away and be present she didn't know that I was writing this sermon at the same time. In my mind, I thought, hey, I'm doing a really great job. I give Zoe a bath just about every night. Well, I certainly did for the first year of her life. And I ride bikes with the kids. I do all of these great things. However, sometimes we deceive ourselves thinking we're more emotionally available than what we really are. And so I'm in a season where I'm being honest with myself. Am I just being present or am, do I actually have presence in the home? Amen? Emotionally available. In other words, you can be with your wife, you can be in proximity to her, but not offer the emotional protection that she needs. And we as husbands, we as fathers, we as grandfathers need to make ourselves emotionally available so that our wives, our family, our daughters don't stoop to the level of talking with a slithering snake. Amen? That being said, I want to draw your attention right here back to Eve's conversation. And as I mentioned before, when we offer emotional protection, because it's not just monetary, it's not just physical protection, but emotional protection. 
Ladies, can you say amen? One of the most important things I'm learning for women is not just the presence of a man, but the emotional vulnerability and connection that she gets from her emotionally available husband or lack thereof. Amen? I thought about young girls who are giving themselves away early on and getting pregnant as we talked about that 71% statistic. I thought to myself, these women do not stoop in their moral values or nor their biblical worldviews because they necessarily want to sleep with a young man or these days, the other. Amen. You just never know these days. It's not because they want to stoop. It's because they're looking for affirmation. They're looking for someone who's emotionally available. And when the father is unavailable in the home, when he is absent emotionally, when he doesn't have that protective gene in him to protect his home and to be emotionally available, they will stoop to levels that are, what's the word I'm looking for? Devastating. Amen? And it's not that they want that. They just want to hear the voice of a man telling them, you're pretty, you're valuable. And they're willing to do whatever, not, not just for sex. This is for emotional connection. And when the father is absent, we lose our daughters and we lose our sons. Is everybody okay? And is everybody awake this morning? As fathers and as grandfathers, we're gonna need to be more adequately protective by being emotionally available and physically available to, to add the spiritual and the physical and the emotional protection to our families to protect them from the enemy of their soul. Amen? Number two, he's a provider. He's a provider. Everybody say he's a provider. There's a huge fracture in America, especially among single moms, because the lack of the father or the lack of the husband has caused devastating provision in their homes, amen? My mom, just to kind of give you a practical view of what we grew up like, my brothers and I would probably go through a gallon of milk a day, which caused my mom to work about three jobs. Was it three? So when there's an absence of the father, the family unit suffers, amen? It caused them to go... Two other means because of the lack of the provider. What does that look like? That looks like going to the government and getting assistance from the government. This was not God's original intent. His original intent was to have the father there to protect them, but also to provide for the family. And when there's no provider there, it causes the family unit to suffer and causes them to use other means, whether it's young men and women going out to sell drugs or it's that single mom needed to get multiple jobs. It's hard to pay her bills because she doesn't want to send the kid off to the daycare because that's going to actually cost maybe half of what she's making at her job to send the kid to daycare. This was not God's original intention. And due to the lack of the father, it's caused a fracture in the family unit. Amen? Because he is called to be a provider. And I begin to think to myself, listen to this. I thought to myself, I want to draw your attention back to, to Genesis chapter 2. What in the world was Adam doing receiving from Eve when he should have been giving to Eve? And whenever you see in the, in the household the male receiving more than he should be giving, you're seeing humanity in disarray. 
This goes against the way that God originally designed it. Ladies, if you're listening by podcast or you're in this room and you're dating someone who's taking more, if you're giving to him more than he's giving to you, I got a flash for you, run. In Jesus' name, run. Because the way that God designed it was for the man to give to the woman and not the other way around. And this is why women are raising up to to levels and it's showing even with their attitudes because when a man is not giving to the woman, the woman has to assume the role and that's against God's design. And so they operate out of frustration and cause chaos in the home because they're operating in a backward system that God did not intend. Amen? If you think about it, now don't gasp. Even if you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, should I say this because there's kids in the room? God even so designed the male genetically not to be a receiver. He is genetically designed to be a giver. As a matter of fact, when you go to the bathroom, it's God's way of reminding you that you are a giver, not a receiver. Interpret those tongues. Genetically, the man was built physically to give, but spiritually, he is designed to be a giver. Eve had no business giving to Adam when Adam was called to give to her. Amen? So the man is a provider. And listen to what God says in 1 Timothy. I see my friends smiling at me and wondering. That's funny. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. Watch what God says to them. It may not be up on the screen. You can take notes if you'd like. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially those of his own household, listen to this. He has denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. This is the only place in the Bible where God is saying, hey, listen, you'd be better off being an unbeliever. You're worse, actually. You are below that. That's the first and only place in the Bible where God says, hey, listen, if you don't take care of your own, ladies, if your man is not taking care of his own, know this, God notes that. And he deems that man less than an unbeliever. This is how strongly God feels about the man being the provider for his home, both physically and spiritually. Thank God for his presence and thank God for Jesus because know this, if you have an uh, absentee father or a male role model that's supposed to be in the home, God will make up for the gap. Amen? God will see to it that you will be provided for. This is why I was so critical in the scriptures where God loves the person who takes care of widows and orphans because God, ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the women who are without dads or without that provider in the home, you are the apple of his eye. Amen? Hallelujah. I want to go to, ver- I want to, go to, to point number three. Is everybody okay? Point number three. There's a fracture in the home due to the man not entering into his role as a priest. I talked about the physical aspects. Now I want to talk about the spiritual. So everybody say, he's the father. The father is called to be the protector. He's also called to be the provider. But spiritually, he's called to be the priest of the home. The priest of the home. Everybody know the difference between a priest and a prophet? The priest goes to God 
on the behalf of the people. The prophet goes to the people on the behalf of God. Do you see the difference? The priest is the one who is known for conducting sacrifices. Men, I want you to know that your wife should not be the main sacrificer in the home. The priest is called to be the sacrificial giver. The priest is the one who builds the altar and slays the lamb or slays the goats or slays whatever that offering is because he is called to be the sacrificial giver, the spiritual covering of the home. The priest is the prayer warrior of the home. I am so tired, forgive me, men. I told you I'd be a little strong towards you this morning. We've already been hard on the women with my not-so-funny jokes. But I'm tired of seeing women outpray the men. I'm tired of seeing the men not entering into their role as priests of the home, as the spiritual covering of the home. It is not the woman's responsibility to spiritually cover the home and you go out and provide naturally. I want all the men in the house say, I'm called to be the physical covering, but also the spiritual covering. Men, do not allow your wives to outpray you. Not to discount the men, and because there are some men when women should not you know, verbally discount them because some men pray a little bit different. Women will rakaka, shabaka when they need finances and may walk up and down the halls and pray fire down when the men pray sometimes just like this, Lord, I need $250 by the end of this week. That's praying, men. But I believe that God is calling the men to step up to another level. I don't say this pridefully, but practically, there's pro- Cohen is seven years old, and I can probably count on one hand anytime he slept under my roof, with the exception of him sleeping somewhere else, there's probably been five times in seven years that I have not physically laid my right hand on my son before he went to sleep. There's probably been five times I haven't read a scripture or his Veggie Tales devotional to him before he went to sleep. Why? Because I am the priest of the home. Men in this house, I want you to let you I want to let you know that you are called to be the priest of your home, to cover your family with prayer, to be the greatest sacrificer, the one who takes the first bullet. The woman is not supposed to take the first bullet. She shouldn't have all that stress on her. We as priests are called to be the first in line. Amen. To spiritually cover them through prayer and through our sacrifices. Amen? Can I see, hear an amen? Come on, help me this morning. As a priest of the home, you're called to not only just have a prayer life, but you're called to have a holy life. This whole idea that the woman is supposed to be, have a higher moral value than the man is a lie. And as a priest, we are supposed to live holy and be the examples, not the other way around. We are supposed to be holy examples in our home, but due to the lack thereof, there is no moral value in the home because the absentee fathers, because of fatherlessness. Why do you think kids are so confused these days? Especially those who are, again, no offense to the moms, thank God for you, because they haven't had that male role model as the priest to show them how to live. These are the steps, the Bible even talks about, these are the steps, follow after them. It's talking about the father, The father is supposed to leave footprints in the spiritual sand of the children's life, of that daughter's life, of that son's life, to give them a a pattern to live by. 
And so we wonder why the nation is struggling with their identity. Men don't know if they're women anymore and women don't know if they're men and vice versa. There's this confusion going on because there is a lack of the priesthood in the home. When we see constant, never-ending disorder in the home, you either have a home that is devoid of the priest or a man that refuses to enter into his role as a priest. Ladies, if you're battling with that, pray for your husband. Pray for your spouse. Pray that God will visit him even at night to shake him and touch him and to cause him to rise up as a man of God in the home. It will in turn bless you. Amen? Number four, and I'm going to end here. He is called as a prophet. And as I told you just a minute ago, the priest goes to the people on the behalf of God. But the prophet, on the other hand, goes to the people on the behalf of God because he hears what God says and he goes to the people and he speaks what God says. And as a man of the house, we are called to be the spokesperson for God. I want you to say, all the men, I want to hear your voice say, say this with me. I am called to be the prophet of my home. The prophet releases the identity in the children, even his wife. Amen. He is the one who pro- prophetically declares what they are to be. This is going to be funny, but I was giving my, my daughter, Zoe, a bath. She's only one. You may not think she understands, and you can call me super spiritual and throw eggs at me if you want to, but I literally sat in the shower with her, and I'm washing her and washing her hair, and I'm sitting down prophesying over her for about two minutes straight, and you would think a one-year-old really doesn't get that, but she doesn't have to get that. The spirit realm gets that, and you know what I was declaring over her? I was looking in her eyes, and for, you know, you can't really keep their attention span, but for one minute straight, Zoe looked in my eyes as she heard her father declare prophetically the blessings over her life. You're a child of the most high God. You will serve the Lord. You are a princess of the king. You are valued. You are beautiful, both physically and spiritually. You will hear God's voice. You will walk in his ways. You will keep his statues. Because as a prophet of the Lord, God holds me accountable as to what I declare over my children. And as men of God in this room, God holds you accountable as to what you do say or what you don't say over your children. Amen? I want to prove that to you, and you can get the children ready at this time. I want you to read this, watch this, in Genesis 35, verse 17. It'll be up on the screen. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, don't be afraid, you have another son. Rachel was about to die, But with her last breath, she named her baby Benoni. She named her baby Benoni. Everybody say Benoni. Benoni simply means son of my sorrow. Everybody say son of my sorrow. Here's the revelation I got from that. We cannot allow our dysfunction as parents to label our children, like our dysfunction to run off onto our children. She was in labor pains. Hello, kids. We can't allow our dysfunction or the way that we were raised or our experience 
to project dysfunction onto our children. So based on her own pain, or maybe the father's own pain, they projected negativity onto their children and named him Benoni. But watch this. Rachel dies, Rachel dies, and then the father steps in and says this. Watch this. Next verse. But the baby's father, however, called him Benjamin. Benjamin Benjamin means son of my right hand, the son of my strength. Now imagine if she would have left it at Benoni, meaning son of my sorrow. Have you ever looked up your name and see how much you actually live up to it? Who, who in here has looked up their name and seen what it has meant? I see some faces look kind of sour and like, I don't even want to tell you what my name means. <laughs> I've seen a couple of those faces. But 90% of you just smiled and basically indicating to me that you live up to your name. Donald means leader. And I always felt like I was called to lead something or someone. And so we oftentimes live up to our names that our parents gave us. But this father, Jacob, understood the prophetic blessing when it came to laying his hand on his kids. So what he did was he reversed the curse. And as parents, as children, right, as parents for our children, we are called to override every curse by our de- de- prophetic declarations over our children as prophets of our homes. Amen? So as I clear up, I want you to think about this this week. What are you declaring as a prophet, men of God? over your houses, and women who have assumed the responsibility of the male role model. What are you declaring over your children? Because they oftentimes live up to what you name them. Now, guess what Benjamin ended up doing? He ended up being one of the family lines that all the kings would be born through, including Jesus Christ, all because of of a prophetic declaration. And as I close, I'll... I'm almost done, honey. She was telling me to wrap it up. (laughs) Lastly, as I close, I want to read this scripture, and I am done. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 through 6, it says this. I want you to read this. This is in the last day. Hi, honey. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Who was Elijah? What was he? What was he? He was a prophet. He would send the prophet, Elijah, and he would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Least I come and strike the earth with a curse. What God was saying there is when there is an absent father in the home, humanity and the family unit looks like a curse because there is no protector, there's no provider, there's no priest, and there's no prophet. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.